My name is Tamara Gober, and I'd like to personally welcome you to the Hope Community Podcast. Before we begin, if you live in the New York City area and are looking for a church home, I'd like to take this time to invite you to our services. For time and place, check out our website at hopecommunitynyc.com. Again, thanks for listening. We hope you are encouraged by this message, and we truly pray you walk away looking more like Jesus. All right, well, welcome to all of you guys. Uh, It's good to have you today, Um, and uh, it's a privilege to be here before you guys. Um, Man, you know what? The the preservation of the gospel is the single most important thing that we can preserve as people. Uh, It is so important that it's preserved. I'm so grateful that it has been preserved for me so that in 2021, I can be confident that what I'm reading in scripture is the gospel as it was originally intended. All right. I am so, so grateful for that. I'm grateful uh, for people like Paul who saw, as we're in Galatians, he saw the gospel threatened and he just said, hey, no, I'm going to explain this to you guys about why you are not supposed to go back to works. Right. And uh, and so it's just amazing that it has been preserved as it has been. And of course it has been, because who's the one preserving it? God, right? He's the one preserving it. So that, of course, it's going to be preserved through faithful people throughout the years. And may we be those faithful people, all right? Whenever we see the gospel threatened and we see a false gospel that's out there, may we go to people and say, no, that's not true. Let me share with you the actual good news. Because if it's fake good news, it's actually bad news, all right? So it's our job to go and to share the actual good news, okay? So, Just a quick recap, Uh, the theme of this book is set free, live free, right? Uh, And so what was the author, Paul, ultimately God, telling the Galatians that they were set free from exactly, they were set free from the burden and the curse of trusting obedience to the law in exchange for heaven. That's what they were set free from. They were set free from chasing after the law in order to be saved. All right. So through the law, there is no salvation. Everybody say that through the law, there is no salvation. Say through my good works, there is no salvation. All right. And that is so true. All right. Christ fulfilled the law according to Jesus's own words in Matthew chapter five, verse 17. And they're no longer bound by that mosaic covenant that was given. And those who had put their faith and trust in Christ were free to live under a new covenant, a covenant of grace. You're going to hear that word covenant a lot today. And that's going to be kind of uh, the focus of our talk today is that word covenant. And what does it mean? That's going to help us to understand what Paul means in this section of scripture. All right. So we're going to spend a lot of time on that. Um, So the application and the reality goes beyond just them. As you guys just said to yourself, the 10 commandments cannot save us. Following the rules cannot save us. Going to church cannot save us. Reading our Bible cannot save us. Praying cannot save us. Being a good person cannot save us. All right. A person trusting those things for salvation is a person who is living in an unhealthy constant fear of God, an unhealthy constant fear of God. All right. Can you imagine living in a constant state of fear from anyone? A constant state of fear. Some people do from an abusive spouse, 
living in a constant state of fear. Can you imagine? From a bully at school, can you imagine that? From a verbally abusive boss, can you imagine living in the fear of that? What about from the police, right? And that's not a political statement. That's a reality that some of our friends live in. And it's a very, re it's a very, very, very big reality for many people, all of those things that I just mentioned. And unfortunately, if that's anyone in this room, then we pray that you are pulled out of that fear. But God never meant for us to view him like that. He never meant for us to. Um, can you imagine living in, the fe in fear of those who are supposed to care for you? There's no greater authority figure than God in life, and yet some people live in a constant fear of him. And it's not a fear that's good. This is a fear that's bad. They are afraid for their lives that if I do something wrong by God, he's going to punish me. And if I continue to do something wrong, he's going to punish me forever. And that's a fear that people live in trying desperately to please him so he won't send them to a place called hell. And that is a way in which God never intended for us to live, all right? We want to be at peace with God. We do not want to live in constant fear. I like how one theologian put it. I'm going to put it here on the screen if we can, if this works. Yes, this is great. I like how uh, he puts it. He says this, again and again, Paul comes back to the same point. The problem of human life is to get into a right relationship with God. That's what everybody seeks to do. I want to be in a right relationship with God. As long as we are afraid of him, there can be no peace. How are we to achieve this right relationship? Is it by a meticulous and even self-torturing obedience to the law? By performing endless actions and observing every smallest regulation the law lays down? If we take that way, we will always be in default for human imperfection can never fully satisfy God's perfection. But if we abandon this hopeless struggle and bring ourselves and our sin to God, his grace opens its arms to us and we find ourselves at peace with a God who is no longer judge but father. That's an incredible statement. No longer judge, but father. That's what we want. That's how God intended for us to live. Not in constant fear of him. He is our father. Yes, he will be our judge if he is not our father, but he wants us to get to the point where we are his children and he is our father. And there's no fear. There's no fear in that love at all. Should we fear God? Well, absolutely, we should fear God. He is a judge of those that haven't put their trust in Christ. But that fear is to show us that we need a Savior. So that is a healthy fear to have, but it's supposed to drive you to the cross. It's not supposed to drive you to works, which is where a lot of people live, all right? All right, good works. You can write this down if you want to. Good works are a wonderful are wonderful and necessary, but they are not an avenue to grace. They are a product of grace, all right? They're not an avenue to grace. They're a product of grace. And look, we've been talking about this so much over the past I'll leave that up there for a second. Um, we've been talking about this so much over the past few weeks. I hope that it's being pounded into your heads because it is continually being pounded into my head. But you know what it's doing in my life? It's giving me confidence. It's continuing to give me confidence in the gospel and in the promises of God. So today we're going to continue 
uh, in chapter 3, and next week we're going to finish chapter 3. God is going to address two things over the next two weeks, all right? Two things over the next two weeks. Number one, which is what we're going to talk about today, the promise God made through Abraham. In other words, the Abrahamic covenant, all right? It's going to be something we talk about. I know when you showed up, you were like, man, I hope we really talk about the Abrahamic covenant today because that's really what I was hoping we would talk about. Trust me, it's going to be amazing. Uh, And I only know that because I've done all the studying and it was amazing. So I can confidently tell you that it is amazing. Uh, And then number two, we're going to talk about the purpose of the law, which is next week, all right? So before we get into this, in order to make a little sense out of what we we are about to read. Let's talk about what a covenant is. All right. A covenant. God makes several covenants in scripture. A covenant is basically a binding promise between two or more parties. It's a binding promise, all right, bound sometimes by a signature, sometimes bound by blood. If you've ever heard of a blood covenant or a blood oath uh, or a sacrifice, like we're going to talk about today a little bit, like it was in Abraham's day. Uh, Sometimes it's bound by a handshake. There's a rumor going around. Actually, Brian will know about this. Uh, And I don't know if it's true. Maybe you know it's true. There's a handshake. There is a, when I say gas station it's, it's more than a gas station. All right. It's called quick trip and it's in Tulsa. And, uh, if you've been there, look, I want to say, look, I'm going to say gas station. I'm just going to be like, okay, you know what I'm talking about. QT's legit. All right. And so you go in, the only thing that, that tops QT is Bucky's. If anybody's ever seen Bucky's. Okay. All right. It's the only thing that tops it. Uh, but you've got quick trip and it's in the Tulsa area, but it's not in the Oklahoma city area. Okay. Uh, and there is a, there's loves in Oklahoma city, but there is no loves in the Tulsa area. And this may just be, I don't know, a rumor or whatever, but it seems like the one that's the most popular because it's like, why wouldn't quick trip go to Oklahoma city? That would be a huge market. All right. Why wouldn't loves go up to Tulsa? That's a huge market. And the reason why legend says is because whenever they both kind of began, they agreed on a handshake that they wouldn't enter into each other's territory. And that was forever ago. And it's supposedly still binding today. And the reason that, have you heard that before? So, so maybe that's true. If that's true, that's legit. Because a handshake and these businesses, like we're talking, we're talking millions of dollars at stake here. And, and they're like, now nah, we won't go into yours if you don't go into ours. That's pretty cool. A handshake. Uh, sometimes people are bound just by a word right? Just, Hey, I promise this. Sometimes a covenant is agreed upon, agreed upon just by mutual understanding. There doesn't even have to be a word said between parties. There's just a mutual understanding that, that a covenant is between you guys, right? Whenever I was, uh, 16 years old. Okay. Uh, I was a rebel. That's not true at all. I was like a good kid, but we did the most rebellious thing we could. I had two best friends, right? Their names were Steven and Aaron. And uh, we were like, man, you know what? What's something we can do? We like would always stay the night at each other's homes and stuff. Do you guys do that whenever you're like, hey, we're gonna, whose house are we staying at this weekend, right? So it was like Friday night. We're like, whose house are we going to be at? We picked which house it was going to be at. It wasn't my house, but I had like a car. I had a license. It was awesome. I lived in Yukon, Oklahoma, which was about 15 miles outside of Oklahoma City. And uh, I was not allowed to go to Oklahoma City and drive because driving in the city is dangerous. How people get their licenses in Brooklyn, New York, and New York City is beyond me. But (laughs) they were like, it's dangerous. And so I was like, oh, man, I can't go. Well, we decided to be kind of rebellious. We weren't just going to drive to Oklahoma City. We got a wild hair that, hey, I think we can get to Tulsa and back. All right. And that was like a two-hour drive there. That was a two-hour drive back. 
Okay. And I know, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, wow, that's pretty rebellious. And it is. Sounds pretty cool back then. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, but we were like, you know what? Let's give it a shot. And so um, we, we did the math in our brains. We were like, okay, if we leave like around midnight, we can get there around 2 a.m. and we'll just turn around and then we'll come back and we'll be back by four. That's going to be long before any adult gets up. It's going to be fine. And, uh, and so we were like, yeah, this sounds like a good plan. Oh, and praise the Lord. One of our friends was like, what about gas? We were like, oh, that's a good idea. How much money do we all have? $10? This will be great. So... Yeah. So uh, we were like, all right, cool. So we'll get to Tulsa. We'll put $10 of gas in and we'll come back. That's back when gas was like 89 cents. All right. A gallon that ages me a little bit. Um, and uh, so anyways, we were like, all right, let's do this. So we get in the car and we're like driving down the road and we're listening. Like it's the freedom. It's the adrenaline, you know, of like we're bad. <laughs> we're, we're, you know, we're got, it's like, man, what if, what if they wake up? What if something happens? What if they come in? Like we're dead if that happens. Right. And so, but we're, you know, we're like, let's crank up the jams. If Steven was listening to music, it was either going to be like Nirvana or Silverchair. If you guys remember those bands, I don't know. Uh, if Aaron was listening to music, it was going to be either Metallica or ACDC. If I was listening to music, it was either going to be like Reba McIntyre or Hollow Notes. Uh, you know, so that's just kind of how we did things. And, uh, and so we're driving down the road and we're like, man, this is awesome. We get through Oklahoma city. We're like, this is great. Uh, we get going into Tulsa and then all of a sudden it says entering toll road. We were like toll road. What is even that? This is great. So we kept on driving and, uh, never heard of a toll road in my whole entire life. And, uh, so we're driving down and then all of a sudden it's like toll in one mile. We're like, we're fixing to find out what a toll is. What is it? And we're like, looking like, don't miss it. And, uh, and so then all of a sudden these booths show up and we're like, oh my goodness, what is this? And so, you know, we stop at this booth or whatever. And, and, uh, and we had the person's like, we need 275. I was like two or two fifty, I think it was back then. I was like two fifty, two dollars and 50 cents for what? So you can keep going. What do you mean? I got to pay to drive on this road. Yes. Okay. So I have $10. So I'm like, here's $10. And they give me seven fifty back. Right. And I'm like, wow, seven fifty. We're doing the math in our head. Can we, can we get back on seven fifty in gas? I think we can. Let's go. So we keep on going. Right. Little did we know there's another toll down the road. Okay. And so now we're like freaking out and we're like, okay, before we get to this toll, we have to turn around. Guess what? We didn't notice. You can't turn around on a toll road. So we're like, what do we do? So we're approaching this toll road. We're there. And then this person's like, we need 250. We're like, if we give you 250. And then I just said, are there any more tolls? And they were like, no, there are not. This is the last one. So we said, okay, uh, can we turn around up here anywhere? And they were like, yeah, there's a gas station about 15 miles. Okay. Uh, here's 250. We got our $5 still. We're at the toll road. Uh, and we, we keep on going to get to the gas station and we're just there. We're like, what do we do now? We need $5 to get back home. All we have is $5. And so we're sitting at the, you know, at the gas station and, uh, and we're just inside and we're just like sitting there. Like, what do we do? I mean, obviously we need gas to get back. Do we just then try to go to the toll road and like beg the person at the toll to like let us through because we don't have any money because we're stupid. Right. And so we're like, what do we do? And, uh, anyways, so we were there for probably over an hour. So time is ticking away and it took more than two hours to get there, by the way. So we are panicking in this moment and, uh, and we're there and, and, and we're there for over an hour. And then there's this lady that's just kind of seen us there for a while 
while. And she's like, what are these people doing? And she notices that we're panicked. She notices all these things. And so she's like, hey, let me help you out a little bit. And we're like, what's up? And she said, what, what are you guys doing? And so we told her she laughed. And then she was like, I'll help you guys. We're like, are you serious? And she was like, yes. She's like, what do you need? And we were like, well, we have $5. And she goes, here's an extra $5. Go put $10 worth of gas in your car. I was like, thank you so much. And we're like, but what about tolls? She was like, here's $5 for tolls on the way back. We're like, wow, thank you so much. And she was like, when you fill your car up with gas, come back in here. You guys look like you need something to eat. So come on in and I'll give you something to eat. So we like loaded up on hot dogs and like, you know, chips and Coke. And we're like, man, let's get back. So we thanked her so much. We hit the road. We get back. And uh, it is now past, we were trying to get there at 4 a.m. It is now past 5 a.m. And uh, we're, no, it's past, I'm sorry, it's past 6 a.m. Like parents get up earlier than that. So we're like, oh my goodness, what's going to happen? We get in the house and not a soul is awake. No one. So we just kind of sneak in and we're just kind of sitting there. And, we, and, and like not, not a word was said between any of us. Like we just kind of like we were never going to do this again. We've learned our lesson. We're never going to like we knew that if we if somebody even mentioned a word and it got to our parents, we would no longer have licenses. We would no longer have cars. We would no longer be allowed to drive anywhere. Nothing was going to happen. And so right then and there, there was a covenant between us that we were like and it was unspoken. Not a person had to say anything It was an unspoken covenant that was just between us. And to this day, literally this day. It had not been uttered. <laughs> I just broke it. <laughs> but I'm saying like it was just it was just absolutely insane. But that's how strong a covenant is. That's how much of a, a marriage is a covenant between a man and a woman. And before God, that covenant is supposed to be binding. Nothing is supposed to break that covenant. And I know that we're getting away from that. But that is such a strong, it's supposed to be a covenant, a reflection of the covenants that God makes for us. These covenants are so binding and they are so powerful. There is expectation in a covenant. There is trust in a covenant. There are consequences in breaking a covenant. A word we use today for covenant is contract. Maybe that's a word you know better. A covenant can between, again, between multiple parties or a covenant can, between, can be one-sided. With my kids, I have a covenant to love and care for them. There is a covenant. They don't know this covenant, but it's there. I have a covenant between me and my kids that I will always take care of them. There's nothing that they can do to break the covenant because it's not one I asked them to take part in. It's one that I promised to myself. There is no, I will take care of you if anything. I will take care of them, period. It's simply, I will do this. And we call this an unconditional covenant. And in scripture, we see God making covenants with mankind. Some are conditional, some are unconditional. Let's talk about a few of them just for a second. God made a conditional covenant with Adam and, and, and all will remain perfect if you don't eat from one specific tree. But then God made an unconditional covenant as well, announcing that one, that one would come to repair the damage. So you had a conditional covenant. It was broken. Therefore, God 
Sin entered into the world and so did death and so did the care for Adam and Eve. So that was a conditional covenant between them. But the unconditional covenant was that he would send a Messiah, that he would send Christ. And that covenant could not be broken by anyone. All right. Um, another unconditional covenant was with Noah. Uh, he covenanted to never again destroy the world by a flood. He also gave some basic principles for humanity to live by. Now, did humanity obey all of those principles? Did it break the unconditional covenant? No, he still is not. It wasn't like, I will not flood the earth unless you do this. It was, I will never flood the earth again. It was unconditional, an unconditional covenant. And it's still in effect today, all right? Another unconditional covenant is, covenant is with Abraham. And that's what we're going to talk about today uh, more in detail. This, in fact was so unconditional that Abraham wasn't even made a part of the covenant. Like I was talking about with my kids earlier in this day, usually when there was a covenant, all right, I talked about sacrifice a second ago, two parties, but between two parties, the seriousness was signified and the covenant was bound by the sacrificing of an animal. And that animal was then cut into two pieces and the parties walked between them to enact the covenant. Something we can't fathom today, right? Peter would be like, absolutely not. Now, we shouldn't do that anyways. <laughs> not just because Peter, because uh, that's weird, okay? Um, but this is what God did. This is what, this, is, this is what happened in that covenant. And so he told Abraham, go get the animals. And, and Abraham sacrificed the animals. Uh, he, he separated them. And then you know what God did? He didn't say, now let's walk through these animals to enact this covenant. He caused Abraham to fall asleep. And then God by himself walked through the animals by himself. That's how unconditional this covenant was. And what was in this covenant? Well, I'm glad you asked. It's in Genesis chapter 12, uh, verses two through three. And it says this, I will make you, this is what God tells Abraham. I will make you, this is his covenant into a great nation and will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. You see all of these promises. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. But pay attention to this part right here. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. This is an unconditional covenant. All right. Now, for the purposes of our study in Galatians, we are mainly focusing on that last line, that last promise. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you, all right? A conditional covenant would mean that all people on earth will be blessed through Abraham if Abraham did certain things, but that's not what God said. He said, every person will be blessed, period, and I will be the only one that walks through and enacts this covenant, all right? So, the covenant God made to Abraham, I want you to catch this. This is so awesome. The covenant that God made to Abraham, Abraham was only extended to him through grace. It was not extended through works. It was only by the grace of God did he have this covenant with 
with him. And why is that important? Especially for Galatians, because they're believing that things are gained and salvation is gained by works. It's never worked that way. It has never worked that way. And Paul is taking them all the way back to Abraham before the law even existed. And if you remember, he said, you're saved by faith. It's not by works. And that's why he's, that's why this is being brought up because that covenant was extended to him by grace, not by works. Abraham did nothing to deserve the covenant God made with him, but Abraham believed and Abraham responded to that grace by faith. And God credited him with righteousness, like we talked about a few weeks ago. And Abraham's faith was manifested. It was shown through obedience. Do you see the beautiful picture? God extends grace. Man believes. Man, through faith, believes that grace. And because of that, it is then accredited to us as righteousness. And what comes from that, remember, it's not an avenue to grace. It's a product of grace. It's your works. It's your good deeds. It's, it's your obedience to God. That's the order that it's always worked in. From the beginning, it's always worked that way. And I love how he's taking them through that all the way back. Um, now, an example of a conditional covenant that would come over 400 years later would be the Mosaic Covenant, which is the law. And we're going to get into that in more detail next week, but it does play a part in today as well. Uh, conditional covenants are often broken, but never once broken by God. God will never, ever, ever, ever be unfaithful to his promises. All right. Uh, fun fact of the day. Uh, this really doesn't go into the sermon, but it's just a fun fact. The word testament means covenant. I don't know if you knew that or not. Old Testament just means old covenant. New Testament just means new covenant. Pretty cool. Uh, so if that's on Jeopardy at some point, you're going to have that one for you. All right. Uh, so here's how the Jews long before the time Paul was writing Galatians taught and understood the covenants. All right. Mainly the Abrahamic covenant and the Mosaic covenant. They knew the Abrahamic covenant right? They were good Jews. They knew the Abrahamic covenant. And when the Mosaic covenant arrived, that's the law, right? The 10 commandments, all that kind of stuff. Whenever that arrived, they thought, well, now it's by the law. The children of Abraham, the blessed people are now the ones that follow the Mosaic covenant is what they were thinking. Those are the true children of Abraham. Now this is the way, right? That's what they thought. That's what they thought, but that's never what God intended. And Paul's aim is to help them see it as a defense for grace alone. That's what Paul is doing, all right? So we're going to go back just a second uh, in Galatians and look at chapter 3, verse 7, all right? Because this is important for us to see. Galatians chapter 3, verse 7, and here's what it says. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. Remember, he's convincing them this. Guys, it's not, it's not the law. It's grace alone. It's those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. Did you catch that? Time out. The Bible just literally said that God preached the gospel to Abraham. Abraham was alive way before the gospel showed up, right? But the message of the gospel has been all throughout the Old Testament. It's 
all throughout the Old Testament. Even so much that Paul here is saying the gospel was even preached to Abraham. How was it preached to Abraham? Well, it was that verse we talked about a second ago. Verse 12, in you shall all, in, in Genesis, in you shall all the nations be blessed. We only have that portion, but God preached the entire gospel to Abraham. He told him what was going to come. And so Abraham believed, he had faith, he was accredited righteousness, and he obeyed. It's a beautiful thing. And, uh, and, and because, because that person is the Messiah, that blessing is the Messiah, obviously. So then those who are of faith, it says in verse 9, so then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Notice how many times he says faith. He does not say law because he is trying to pound it in their brains that it is not about the law. It is only about grace. And he's in chapter three of this, right? We've got a couple of more chapters to go of this. He's like, I need to make sure that you understand this. I can identify with this man because it's like, why use 10 words when you can use 40, right? That's how I like to do things. I know you guys know that. <laughs> uh, I'm just kidding. You guys are looking at your watch like, hey, what time is it anyways? All right. So let's start with a review of our scripture last week because it runs into our scripture for this week. All right. So Galatians 3.10, I'll put it up here on the screen for you guys is where we're going to start. And uh, we're not going to explain it. We're just going to go through it and it's going to kick us into uh, this, this, uh, the next set of scripture. So Galatians 3.10, for all who rely on works of the law, are under a curse. This is what we talked about last week. For it is written, cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law. For what? The righteous shall live by faith. Verse 12, but the law is not of faith, he says. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree, so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. So let's jump into Galatians chapter 3, verse 15. And, uh, and let's see what he has for them today. And now that we know the background of the Abrahamic covenant, you're going to understand this a little bit more. There was a purpose of all of that. Because if you don't have that background and you just go into this scripture, it's just going to go over your head. And so it's very important that you know that background. So Galatians chapter 3 verse 15, he says this, To give a human example, brothers, even with a man-made covenant... No one annuls it or adds to it once it has been ratified, all right? So he's just being very practical with them in real life right now. Why is Paul saying this? Because once a covenant has been entered into, all right, and is now under contract, no one can simply make it go away. You can't just abolish it and no one can add to it, all right? That, that covenant that God had given to Abraham, you can't just, who, what authority do you have to just say, oh, the Mosaic law then just trumps that old covenant. We don't really know what happened with that covenant. We're just now saying that there's a new covenant and that covenant now is through works. And so obviously we have to do all of these things in order to be 
saved. Yeah, you guys want to be Christians? This is what the Judaizers are saying to the Galatians. You guys want to be Christians? That's great. You want to come to faith in Christ? That's great. But you have to be a Jew first. You have to come and be a Jew first. And, and that always involved circumcision right off the bat. So there's no Gentile that's like, yeah, sign me up, right? And they're saying, hey, and also, if you, if you came to Christ and you are a Jew, I know that you came by grace alone through Paul, if he's really an apostle. Remember, we talked about that. And, uh, and they're saying, you know, forget all of that. We don't even, I think he just made all of that up. We obviously, he's trying to get rid of the law. Are you kidding me? He's saying, they're, they're saying, no, we, you guys need to follow the law. And he's saying, who are you to get rid of that covenant? Who are you to get rid of the covenant that it's by grace alone through faith? You are no one to do that. He even uses it in real terms. No one annuls it or adds to it once it has been ratified. And that, that has been ratified, all right? Whenever God walked through those pieces, it has been ratified and it's not going anywhere. Not going anywhere. It's unconditional, all right? Verse 16, he goes on and he says, now, let me pull it up on the screen for you. Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say, and to offsprings, Paul says, referring to many, but referring to one, and to your offspring, who is Christ. I love that. I love that because Paul interprets scripture for us. An Old Testament scripture, he interprets it for us. Whenever you might think, because it's the same way, uh, that word there is seed, right? Seed is both singular and plural in our language, right? Well, in the original language, it's also singular and plural. So it's easy to mess that up and to think, oh, okay, uh, it must mean many descendants. That's what he's talking about is many descendants. Paul interprets that scripture for us. God, excuse me, interprets that scripture for us through Paul, through the power of the Holy Spirit. All right. And he's saying that didn't mean many. That meant one. There was only one. It wasn't offsprings referring to many, but referring to one. All right. And that offspring First of all, the covenant didn't end with Abraham because it was also made to his offspring. All right. So just because Abraham's dead and gone doesn't mean that the covenant is gone. Number two, offspring is not plural. It's singular. And the offspring intended was Jesus Christ. So the only way the Abrahamic covenant could be no more is if it is fulfilled. And who would be the fulfillment? Abraham's offspring. Yes, Jesus the promise was to Abraham and his offspring, Jesus. It ended with Jesus whenever he fulfilled it all. Verse 17 says, this is what I mean. The law which came 430 years afterward does not annul a covenant previously ratified by God. Sorry, I'll pull it up for you. Previously ratified by God. So as to make the promise void for if the inheritance comes by the law, it is, it no longer comes by promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. So important. All right. I mentioned earlier that, that I have a covenant or a promise to my kids. I have that covenant, that promise to take care of them. When they are babies, this is what I do. I take care of them. They can spit up on me. They can kick. They can scream. They can cry but I will take care of them. Why? Because it's an unconditional 
promise, which is exactly what he's talking about. And it's for life. As they get older, part of taking care of them is teaching them right from wrong. It's giving them a law. It's giving them rules to follow. I've got to take care of them, right? So I start to set some rules for them to follow. Now, do these rules annul the original promise that I gave to them? Absolutely not. It absolutely does not annul that original promise. They serve, although it's important, they serve a completely different purpose. And it is, it's an important purpose. My original covenant hasn't been replaced just because my kids can understand right from wrong. It hasn't been replaced, all right? My love for my kids is not contingent on how well they follow the rules, praise God. They do not live in fear that I will not keep my promise or my covenant with them if they break any of the rules. They do not live in that fear. There are consequences, obviously, to breaking them, but my covenant is in place for the remainder of my life or their life. It will always be in place, all right? And this is what God is trying to get across to the Galatians and the Judaizers through Paul. His covenant was not replaced by the law, which is what they've been thinking this whole time. They've just thought it wrong. They didn't understand. They didn't know. But his covenant was not replaced when the law came around, the Mosaic covenant. What we will look at next week is that it complements it. The Mosaic law complements. The law complements the original covenant. So just like my rules for my kids complement my promise to take care of them. Now, if me, an imperfect father, right? An imperfect father am able to keep an unconditional covenant with my children. How much more is the father of all fathers able to keep one with his? How much more binding is a covenant that God makes with himself? Way more binding than a covenant that I make with myself. So what they had done and catch this, and this is why Paul is even saying this anyways. This is why he's so passionate about this. This is why we read through this scripture and we're just like, what is happening right now? Is because of this. What they had done by putting their trust in the law for salvation was annul the covenant and gospel message originally given to Abraham by grace. That's what they had done. That's why Paul thought this was so huge. This is why I've got to get this to them. This is why I have to explain. And I love Paul's patience with them in this letter. He wasn't just like opening it up. Yeah, Paul, an apostle, you idiots. What are you doing? I mean, at first he was like, you guys have, he definitely started off like, you know, you, I'm so surprised you guys have left the faith, right? But then he takes this patient tour all throughout the book of Galatians to say, I'm going to explain to you so that you can understand and not just understand, but have the greatest confidence in the gospel message that you can ever have. And that's why he's doing that. And I love it because he comes at them from all angles, all angles. So what's our application for this, right? Man, this is something that our world needs to hear. A world that so desperately trusts and works for salvation. So desperately needs to hear. God's love for us is not dependent on what we do. It's dependent on God keeping his word. <laughs> That's it. It's just dependent on God keeping his word, and you better believe that he's going to do it. He never goes against his word. The law does serve a purpose, but the purpose of the law has nothing to do with the promise the promise is in Genesis that all nations would be blessed by an offspring of Abraham. No matter what you do, it's going to happen. And that's what he taught us. So 
If salvation comes by faith, just like it did for Abraham, then what was the purpose of the law, right? Because that's what everybody thinks the law is for. Even people today, they're like, oh yeah, we have like the Ten Commandments and stuff. Aren't we supposed to follow that? And if we follow that, we get to go to heaven, right? And that's what people think it exists for. That's what they thought it existed for. And I don't know about you guys, but if you look around, there are a lot of Jewish people still around, especially in this area. And they're trusting in the law. If you go and have a conversation with them and you ask them how to get to heaven according to their faith, they're going to tell you, you obey the law. They still believe it. And it is a very, very, like I've said a thousand times, it's a very, very popular answer of why, of how people get to heaven. Oh, I, I got to do good. I got to be good. I got to do those things. Get it. Yeah. <laughs> My dog would be going crazy right now, but that's never, it's never been the case. And it's never, it's not the case for us. It's not the case for Abraham, all the way back to Abraham. It's not the case for him. And it's not the case for us as well. God's promise to us to save us through Jesus Christ is not contingent on how well you live your life. It's just a promise. And all you do is the same thing that Abraham did is you believe it. You put your faith in it and God will credit to you the righteousness of Jesus. And what follows is obedience. What follows is your good works, because those are a product of grace. They're not an avenue to grace, right? So what's the purpose of the law then? That's a great question. We're going to talk about it next week, all right? Um, and so uh, I don't know about you guys, but man, this, this study through Galatians is really opening my eyes to just the truth and the beauty of the gospel. I mean, it really is. It's making, it's just giving me so much uh, like I already had confidence in God's word, but whenever you, whenever you dig into it like this, you just gain so much more confidence and it's been incredible. It's so rich in history. And listen to this, God has been so consistent throughout time and Paul knew it and Paul could see it. And so what he's doing is he's trying to open the eyes of the Galatians to it, God's consistency. And what's awesome is that God is so sovereign. He knew we'd all need that reminder and all of our eyes will need to be open to it. And so he preserved his word over all of this time so that we can have it and so that we can be confident in it. And uh, so that we would understand that we're saved by grace and we're not saved by works. And that was the plan from creation, from creation. Uh, and, and I don't know about you guys, but uh, man, the more, the more I look into this, the more I study this, uh, the, more I, the, the, the easier I can share the gospel with other people. Um, I know that uh, if you ask people the number one reason, why don't you share the gospel with anyone? The number one answer that people give is because they're afraid, because they don't know what they're going to say. And we're talking about believers. We're talking about Christians. Why don't you share? You know, what's the number one reason you don't share the gospel? Uh, I'm, I'm afraid of what I'm going to say. The more you understand this stuff, even though it's muddy, even though it gets kind of deep and it's kind of dense in some areas, the more you understand this stuff, the more confidence you're going to have when you go and you talk to someone about Christ. And the easier these conversations are going to happen, all right? Like it's not going to be like you're standing with somebody and then all of a sudden you're just like, oh, I need to figure out how to get into the gospel conversation. Like it, it will just happen because something will be said, something will happen, and you just go into that conversation. Thank you for listening. For more information about our church, please visit our website at hopecommunitynyc.com.